Hello, everybody. Hello, my besties, or should I say SD besties? Welcome back to the treatment room. I'm your host, Tessa Zolli. How are we doing? Mental health check. How is everybody? I hope we're doing well. I know it's a little bit of a transition time right now. We're just getting into summer. It's kind of weird because we just went through this whole pandemic thing and things are kind of getting back to normal, but I hope everyone is doing well and thank you so much for listening wherever you are. I hope my podcast just brings something to your day, whether it's educational value or it's just relaxing for you or you feel like you're connecting with a friend. I just hope it adds something to your life and I hope everyone is doing amazing. I'm doing really well today and I'll be honest, yesterday just was not it for me. I don't have days where I feel like down the whole day, but yesterday was just... It was just off for me for some reason. I just had constant anxiety throughout the whole day. And I say that because I know I come on here and I probably sound so positive all the time. And I would just hate for you guys to think, why am I not feeling like that 24-7? Like, why am I not positive all the time? And trust me, I'm I'm really not, even though it probably comes off like that. <laughs> So funny, whenever I ask like what people's perceptions of me are, they seem to think I'm like so positive all the time. And I do try to put good vibes out there, but I'll be completely honest. I really have to take charge of my days because I, for the most part, don't wake up in a good mood most days. And it's something I try to be really active about. <laughs> just be like, not today. And I have to get into my routine and doing things that are, I feel like maybe productive is the wrong word, but just things that kind of like put me in motion and in movement. Because if I stay in bed all day, and here's a challenge, if you are working for yourself and you have days where you can take a day off, sometimes it is a challenge because Sometimes I just want to sit there, but I know I feel so much better when I get up, get moving, do my skincare routine, eat a nice breakfast, go for a walk, get some sunlight, even if I'm protected head to toe with sunscreen, even writing a to-do list. I know it sounds so simple, but I did that last night because I was just like, you know what? Today was, I'm not going to say a waste, But in terms of getting things on my list done, it was kind of, I just nothing happened and that's okay. Sometimes you got to take those days. The hard thing for me is if I take a day where I don't do anything, it's not like I'm relaxing the whole time. Like it almost makes me more anxious. So it's something I'm working on and I just want to be transparent with you guys. I would hate for you to turn this on and think, This girl is like always happy and positive and, and, you know, you see people being productive all the time on social media, but you don't know the whole story sometimes what goes on behind the scenes. And as somebody who creates so much content, I don't know if anybody else feels this way. And it's kind of crazy for estheticians because we have our job in the treatment room or with clients or whatever you're doing as an esthetician, you have your normal job. And then there is this pressure to literally be like an influencer or a content creator. And you look at everyone around you and you feel like you got to keep up with the Joneses. And 
I love it so much. It doesn't normally like bother me because I just have fun making content, but there's definitely days, I'll be honest, where you feel that pressure. Like I should have an Instagram post. I haven't posted on TikTok in a while. My YouTube video needs to go up this week. Like what's it going to be? My podcast, all these things sometimes just, um, catch up with me. And then I get in this vicious cycle of feeling like none of my ideas are good enough. All my content sucks. Everyone else is getting more views, getting more likes, is more, you know, engaging. And I feel like a total loser. And I just want to say that because I'm sure, I'm sure there's those of you listening who feel the same way. I think there really is a lot of pressure to promote our businesses to a certain extent because we know how valuable social media can can be and we have examples of SDs who do social media so well and their businesses are thriving. So sometimes it's like this internalized pressure and maybe that was part of what was getting to me yesterday, but I feel so much better and I knew I knew I would feel that way. So just remember that it always gets better. Maybe it's not going to be the next day. Sometimes you get lucky and you wake up and you just have more serotonin. You feel better. But just remember that it always does get better. So I'm really happy to be here with you guys and just wanted to give you a little update. I am going to do a solo episode today. I'm going to open the questions that you guys submitted on Instagram. I love doing these Q&As because I feel like it just gives me a chance to respond authentically to what you guys are thinking about. So thank you, thank you, thank you for submitting these. Question number one, would you recommend starting at a spa or working on your own for a newly graduated SD? I haven't really read through these, by the way, so this is fully off the cuff. Okay, I feel really strongly about this. Okay, we're back, guys. My neighbor's leaf blower just went off for 20 minutes, and I was just sitting here. We're back. Okay, would I recommend starting at a spa or working on your own for a newly graduated SD? I think most of you know how I feel about this, and I do have a strong opinion And when you have a strong opinion, you're automatically going to make some people upset. And I really don't want to do that. And if that is your plan or you're successfully doing it, I'm so proud of you and more power to you. That's great. I think, you know, it's a lot of it is circumstantial and everyone is different. But my general advice is to work for somebody else. And there's just logic behind that. And it comes from my personal experience. Again, I know everyone is different and you might be that odd person that just kills it off the bat. But I think most of us need time to develop a few things. We need time to develop confidence. We need time to develop technique. It's a whole new skill set. We're touching people's faces. That's something you probably didn't do growing up. Like it's a whole new ball game. And when you step out into the real world, you have your license. There is just a whole new set of expectations versus working in a school spa. Not that that wasn't like real or good experience, but those people understand you're in training. You are 
in school. And while you can learn a lot and while that is so important and it gives you a good foundation, once you step into owning a spa or even working for somebody else, but especially if you own a spa, people assume you really know what you're doing. And the expectation is you can treat, you know, probably within within reason, any skin type, color, or condition that walks in your door. And unfortunately, we just aren't taught enough in school. I didn't even hear the word rosacea until, sadly, like two years into working, you know, as an esthetician. That sounds crazy. Maybe I'd heard the word, but I didn't really know what it meant. I probably just thought it it meant like you're a little flushed. I didn't know how to treat it. I probably gave a lot of treatments to people with rosacea, not really fully knowing what I was doing. And that sucks to admit, but we're honestly just not fully prepared in school. It's a basic education. And I know every state is different. Some states, you're just not getting that hands-on experience for very long before you have your license. So it's so circumstantial, but I'd really encourage you not to rush. And this is coming from a place of love and wanting to look out for you guys because I think of you as like my little sisters, my besties, my my friends, like looking out for you guys. The advice I would give to my younger sister if she was thinking about starting a business is to really make sure you're prepared. And we're not in any rush at all. And it can be hard when you see your friends, you know, making Instagram pages for their business and everything looks perfect and their room looks so cute and you want that too. And it's, it's natural to want that. But I would argue most of us are really just not ready the second we are handed our license And part of that is also the fact that we have been trained as technicians and estheticians, but we may not be prepared to own a business. And when you're opening a business, you could be putting your financial future and all of your savings on the line. So this is very much coming from a place of love and wanting to make sure you guys are not putting yourself in a risky position. You could be putting your finances on the line. You could really be putting your emotional health on the line, opening up a business and just not being fully aware what that means. It means you are the person in charge if something goes wrong. So I'll also say this, working for somebody else and getting to see those mistakes and having those experiences of things going wrong, because it happened to me, I had clients who weren't fully happy. I mean, maybe it was, you know, five people out of thousands, but you don't forget those experiences and they are necessary because you're just not going to be perfect 100% of the time. I'll be totally real. There were times I thought I gave some of the best facials of my life and those were people who ended up complaining and it's weird. Sometimes you just get people who want to complain and want something or Maybe they're just used to somebody else's style and, you know, it just wasn't the same. So they felt gypped or for whatever reason, you just didn't meet their expectation. Having those experiences of somebody being disappointed in you is actually really valuable and it sucks in the moment. But think about how much more beneficial 
it is to have that first experience working for somebody else versus having it happen to you the first time and you own the business because it even takes you a little while to like understand what the proper way to respond to a disappointed client is. Like it takes those experiences. I think naturally a lot of us can feel defensive or we take it personally or we let it affect our performance the rest of the day or even the following days. When when that happened to me the first time I had a, a client complain, it literally really like upset me and scarred me. And looking back, it's silly that I wasted that time like feeling that way. You kind of got to just like take it for what it is and try to be better and move on with your life for your sake and for the sake of your business. But I'm saying that because if that were to happen and you're the person in charge, you were to be defensive, you were to handle it poorly, that just reflects on you and your business. If you've had those experiences and you're kind of prepared and you understand how important it is to set the expectation with your clients, and we all need that reminder, by the way, because that's how you avoid disappointing people. You set the expectation. It's just so much better to have that experience under your belt so you're not like shocked and it doesn't throw you off and you don't react out of ego. And truly, it takes time to develop your technique. For me, it took really like a year to to have the right boss, for one, who actually told me like, hey, like you are still kind of performing at a beginner level. And I had to be shaped. I had to be molded. I had to understand like the way I first approached facials was actually like not, not my best effort. I started off very timid with a very, very light touch. Some people like that, but most people want to feel a little bit more pressured. They want to feel that you feel confident. And it took me lots of facials and it took me two jobs to get to that place where I had somebody who was kind of coaching me and helping me develop. And then it took more time after that to really let that sink in and to just practice the art and the craft because it's not something I had ever done before. And how would you be like naturally born this perfect esthetician? That's very, very rare. Even the people you see on Instagram, like Donna Omari, Noise Skincare, she's been on the podcast before. Highly encourage you to go back and listen. She's talked about how much she, this is her words, not mine. She sucked because you just come out of the gate needing more experience. You need more time. You need more time with your hands on somebody else's face. And you just don't come out of school perfect and ready to take on a business. And I know some people make it work or they make it look like it's working, but I would really argue they could be even better with more time spent working for somebody else. You get to see how a business is run, what you like, what you don't like, what you could improve on. You get time to develop your vision and you get to kind of open that curtain and see behind the scenes what goes down when things are not perfect and when you're not just looking at Instagram posts of business. What happens when you are in that business, working in that business? What happens when you make the mistake or when somebody else makes the mistake, when things 
go wrong or you have, you know, certain equipment, you get a taste of, of equipment you really like. You get to see equipment that could be better. You get to hear what people's concerns are. You get to, to just see, you know, basically like a cheat sheet. Think of it that way, not as like, oh man, I have to work for somebody else. Like you get the cheat sheet of seeing how your business can be even better. So I that's my argument for why I would highly encourage you to get a little bit of experience, again, even a year or two before you go out on your own. And you get that time to feel it out because giving five, six, seven facials a day or more is very different from school, at least in my situation where we gave maybe like two fa- two to three facials at most, like two days out of the week. It's very different from just walking into a clinic and having that be your full day and having to do that five or six days a week. You get a taste of like, do I really like this? Because you do go into it with a little bit of rosy colored glasses. I thought I think like a lot of us, I want to have my own business where I'm giving facials all day and I hire estheticians because I kind of thought that's just what you're supposed to do. Now that I've been in the industry a few years, I realize I actually would not be successful at managing a spa. I wouldn't be happy. It would be a huge headache that would not personally fuel me, not saying it couldn't be right for you, but I'm really glad I had that time to realize that before I invested all of my life savings and something that maybe I would have changed my mind a year later. So more time cannot hurt. And the wise words of Joelle Lee, she's also been on the podcast, also encourage you to listen to her. Do not rush. You are not in a rush. Life is long, you guys. There's plenty of time to own a spa if that's what you want to do. I would just make sure you are prepared, whatever that means for you. Next question is, how do you know who to ask to be an SD mentor? Also, how do you ask? I'm so shy. Okay, so I'm just going to be completely candid here because this is the reality. I think most people probably don't have the time to be your mentor for free unless you already have a close relationship it's tough. You can't really just go up to somebody and ask like, will you be my mentor? If you want that personalized attention and time, I'm sorry, this maybe isn't the answer you want to hear, but I think in a lot of cases, you just have to be willing to pay that person for their time. So maybe even think think of finding a coach. A lot of estheticians, experienced estheticians and older estheticians are kind of bolstering their business by not only offering services, but also offering esthetician education or esthetician mentorship and coaching. So there are lots of estes that do that. I believe Joelle Lee does. I know Douglas Preston does. I know Spa Strong does. So a lot of estes will mention it maybe in like their bio or you could find them on Instagram. And if they have a good reputation, I, I think it's probably something worth your time, especially if you feel insecure about something and have an area of weakness. And coaching is something you could write off as a 
a tax write-off, a business expense. So I've said this in a podcast before, but I would consider paying somebody if you really want that guidance. And it's just the honest truth. I think most people just don't have the time to fully mentor you. And I think people deserve to be paid for their time. I have totally paid people I consider mentors to hop on the phone with me and talk something out if I feel like they have foresight into an area where it's just worth my time and money to be prepared and, and you know, to educate myself on that, on that area. So I would consider paying for a mentor because... It's just tough. I'm just being honest. If you just go up to an SD at a conference or something or somebody you don't know or even message them on Instagram, they just probably may not have the time to devote to you. And and maybe I'm underestimating people. There's probably some people who'd be very flattered and happy to do so. But I always think, you know, it's just kind of the right thing to do if you want that attention to compensate somebody for their time and and their willingness to pass on their knowledge that they've, you know, gone through their life experience to compensate them for that time. Opinion on CeraVe products. Okay, why do I feel nervy about this? Okay, I think I first want to acknowledge I know there's people who it works for. So at the end of the day, I want people to be happy and confident in their skin. So if somebody was already using that and was super happy about it, I'm like on team, like so excited for you, so happy for you and so happy you are on a consistent routine because sometimes that's just what matters. And for me, I know up till the time I was 25, I could have used anything on my skin and my skin would have just like been fine. It just wasn't problematic. So had I been using a consistent routine of CeraVe probably would have been way better than whatever the hell I was doing in college or (laughs) as a young adult. So I totally understand it works for some people. And there's a huge audience, I think, you know, that has come from Hiram's YouTube channel, people who are so passionate about it. And you know, part of it could be these people may have been mixing and matching over the counter skincare lines and may have not had direction or understood the purpose behind certain ingredients and maybe they weren't using them correctly. So to have, you know, sort of like a general education about basic skincare ingredients and using a line that's not especially... I don't want to say not problematic because I've definitely seen clients have problems and issues that aren't resolved from CeraVe and it either perpetuated them or just didn't help. Um, So I don't want to say it totally didn't interfere, but I think for a lot of people who just need fragrance-free and need a, a, a basic introduction of active ingredients and who need the consistency of a routine, it can be great. Now, on the other hand, I have a very high standard for products, and that is because I understand what it's like to have acne, and I understand what it's like to be in the position where somebody is depending on you to help that condition. And and maybe it's not acne, maybe it's rosacea, maybe it's hyperpigmentation, maybe it's aging concerns. I 
work within the niche of corrective skincare, typically people come to me because they've tried everything and they've, you know, tried kind of the common things. They've tried CeraVe and most of the over the counter market. They have not tried professional skincare, results oriented skincare, and a a custom tailored intentional routine. So I personally would never reach for CeraVe because I know the urgency of wanting to, needing to provide people with results. And even if it's not overnight, getting them on products, I am confident in for a range of skin types. And I've never tried CeraVe. I might have a good experience, even if I were to try it, like I might think it was cosmetically elegant. I might think it's nice, but I don't have that experience of using CeraVe on a wide range of clients. And I think there is this misconception that estheticians can just look at a product label and tell you if something is good or bad, or that we're like handed this manual in school, like CeraVe, The Ordinary, Paula's Choice. And, you know, there's like a list of what's good and bad. We honestly probably don't know unless we've had experience with products in a treatment room setting and we've had educational training. So before I even decide to bring on a line, it's my responsibility to take on training with the brand to fully understand the the benefits and the potential risks for using certain products. Not every product is meant for every person. I have to understand the ins and outs of it. And I have to be confident in the formula, in the formulator. And I personally want to be confident in the sourcing of the ingredients. I don't know anything about how CeraVe is sourced or the purity of the ingredients. It is a, it's a drugstore product that is made in mass And I prefer pharmaceutical grade products that are made in smaller batches. And I really want to have that level of confidence in my products because they're my toolbox. So is CeraVe bad? I don't, it really depends on the person. I think everything is case by case and somebody could have a good experience with CeraVe. And I would say, stick with it. But if somebody's coming to me to fix a problem, it would never be something I would rely on. So I hope that makes sense and is okay to say. I know there's the argument of feeling like estheticians are kind of elitist and, you know, not thinking about people who are on a budget. But in my experience, I know how expensive acne can be. And I know the toll it can take on somebody's self-confidence. And I know what it's like to spend hundreds and thousands of dollars trying things, trying to self-diagnose. And I can understand how somebody would be hesitant to work with a professional to pay them for their time and then to pay the premium of professional products or what feels like a premium, but I just know what it's like kind of shooting in the dark and trying to manage acne without that education on acne and the understanding of how complex it is and all that goes into it. So to me, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. 
seeking out professional help, buying the, the right products or what may be closer to the right products. Sometimes it takes a little trial and error, but buying products with intention and within a program and having professional guidance is always going to be more effective and save you heartache and money in the long run. So although it may be more of an investment to buy professional products, you have to understand you need less of them because they are concentrated. And these are proven proven products proven to work and that are widely trusted by a range of professionals. Glymed and Is Clinical just would not be popular if estheticians could not give their clients results because people would not come back. We wouldn't have a good reputation. We wouldn't be able to have a business. So you guys know how I am. I'm very tried and true to my professional products because I have been on the other end of trying everything else and I have been able to help people and I want to give people that satisfaction and their confidence back as as soon as like humanly possible. And that means we're going to work on repairing the skin and getting it to a level where it can handle a higher level of active ingredients than CeraVe can offer as an over-the-counter product. So those are my opinions. And I hope nobody takes that the wrong way, but I can't make everybody happy. And if you love CeraVe, if it's giving you the results you want, I am super happy for you. If you are getting ready to go out at night, do you do your PM routine twice before and after makeup? Ooh, okay. Love this question. And I do have a little hack. So I feel like I have to say a few things. In my experience in working with really high quality cleansers that will cleanse the skin without stripping it, I can use them three, four, five times if I had to within a day and my skin would be perfectly fine. Um, Not saying that's what you should do, but I've had situations where that's happened to me, especially with all the mask wearing that goes on and being somebody who works out a lot and being somebody who might have to apply makeup for YouTube or whatever. Um, I've been okay, like using my Glymed cleansers and my Is Clinical cleansers. And part of that is my skin is prepped. It's more resilient. So a third wash isn't going to like dismantle my entire skincare routine and my progress. So tip number one would be to choose high quality cleansers that are gentle and pH balanced and not going to strip your skin. Two, I really love a makeup eraser for this kind of scenario. This way you can kind of do like a light halfway cleanse and like remove the day with it, remove any residue or makeup or sunscreens and go in and apply your face for going out with the makeup eraser, which if you don't know what that is, it's kind of like a little microfiber cloth and all you need to use it is water. So you could just do that, do a quick little little wipe. If you are concerned with overwashing or you're somebody who's super dry or you're eczema prone or psoriasis prone or you're in the process of healing your barrier, that is a little bit of a hack. And the third thing I'll say is you should always wash your face at the end of the day. So if I had to choose a cleanse to skip, it would be the cleanse 
before I go out, maybe I would just kind of apply my foundation or what I usually wear is like a tinted sunscreen as foundation. I would just apply that over my existing face or whatever is already currently on and then just do a full double cleanse when I got home to make sure I cleansed well. Maybe a little exfoliation if if I've worn a lot of makeup or something that day, or I've been out and about in the city where there's pollution, that kind of thing, because you do want to make sure your your skin is as clean as possible before you go to bed and put your head on a pillow for eight hours or whatever it may be. So that is the most important. Your nighttime routine is always crucial because you want to go to bed with clean skin and give your skin that opportunity to repair itself without being clogged. Recommendations on how to treat chin acne. Okay, so there's a few things that can be going on. I find the chin and jawline area is a very hormonal area, especially with women. So when it comes to that area, Usually we want to take a look at the type of acne that's going on. If it's more flat, inflamed cysts that don't necessarily have a head to it, it likely may be hormonal acne. And obviously that is more internal. So we want to make sure our routine and our skincare is a good routine that's going to give us the best environment to heal that hormonal imbalance. So I would suggest being on a professional routine and making sure you have some acne management ingredients in there and you're doing all you can to minimize bacteria on the skin. But you also may want to take a look at hormones. You may need to get your hormones checked if something seems out of balance. You may want to consider the type of birth control you are on because there's so many types and it really depends on the person. Something that may be fine for most people could be, you know, stimulating or create imbalance for somebody else. But from what I gather, I'm not a medical professional. We want to have a birth control that is more balanced and leans more towards higher estrogen dominance than progestin. So that is just a little tip. My dear friend, Care Clarkson, she is the best. I'm trying to get her on the podcast. She has a lot of tips about hormonal acne and birth control. So I will direct you toward her page if you want to learn more about finding a balanced birth control. That may be something to consider. There are also ways you can bolster your diet to be more hormonally balanced. And I do have a resource for that as well. I will link it below for a podcast with a holistic doctor, actually. She talks a lot about foods you can eat to foster more hormonal imbalance. She talks a lot about dark leafy greens using seeds such as pumpkin seeds and sunflower seeds. But since I'm not a doctor or nutritionist, I will just link her information there. You guys can go learn more. And the third thing I'll say when it comes to diet is I find in my experience, the dairy probably needs to go for the time being. And that's a personal choice. But if you're struggling with acne, I don't know, everyone's different, but I would say it's probably not not worth it to be 
feeling insecure about your skin or creating damage in the skin that can result from acne trauma. So I would suggest to eliminate dairy even temporarily for six weeks. Reason being dairy is very mucus forming. So when you have, think about your, your follicle where our oils, our sebum is trying to escape. When you have a thicker mucus coming up that can get trapped, it creates that inflammation and that's where we can have more hormonal acne breakouts, especially around that time of the month when our oil levels are elevated. The other thing is with dairy, especially dairy from cows, is that it comes from the female cows and they naturally have hormones and there are added hormones. So that can also sit on top of our own hormones and create more imbalance. So the first thing I suggest and that I just, I ask my clients who are dealing with this kind of issue is, are you willing to eliminate dairy even just for six to eight weeks so we can see how things improve? It doesn't mean you can never have cheese again, but I would suggest taking it out for the short term. And when you do introduce it, I would suggest leaning towards other types of dairy, such as goat cheese or sheep cheese, instead of your traditional cow cheese. And I would think about all of the things you consume that could have dairy products in it, even if it's just, you know, to somebody, a client or somebody listening, they might have cream in their coffee every day. And to them, they're like, that doesn't even count. That's nothing. But it could just be a small, consistent dose that is elevating their inflammation and creating more hormonal imbalance. So even things like dairy in our coffee, milk in our cereal, yogurt with dairy, a lot of fitness products and whey proteins, I would reconsider those because that can actually be Those things can add up to quite a lot of dairy or things like protein bars that may have milk. I would reconsider those. And that way your products are going to work to the best of their ability. Sometimes if you are introducing even really great products, if you have that underlying inflammation and imbalance, there's only so much you can do. And sometimes it can even worsen that inflammation temporarily because your cells are turning over and it seems like you just have a lot of congestion and inflammation. So I would suggest looking at the diet, looking at things internally, using products that create balance in the skin. And lastly, icing, especially rather than picking, it's really not advised or suggested to try to pop your hormonal pimples. You'll probably, you've probably, you know, found out the hard way. You can't really get much out because of that inflammation and because the infection is so deep. So I would suggest icing and possibly spot treating with something such as Glymed skin number five that is going to treat inflamed and non-inflamed breakouts. So I love that one. I can link it below if you're looking for a good spot treatment. And I would suggest making ice and calming more part of the routine, adding more hydration back to the skin, water-based hydration, not a ton of oils, but things like hyaluronic acid and aloe and adding more like 
cooling things to your routine can be helpful as well. Keeping your moisturizer in the fridge, using a cold roller, or even spot treating with ice as like a little bit of a localized cryotherapy. Thoughts on Bare Minerals Foundation. I really like Bare Minerals. I have not dabbled too much with their formulas. I think they have a bunch of new liquid formulas that I would actually really like to try. I just haven't yet. And there are other brands I've just been trying to get through and using more. I love my Oxygenetics foundation. So I typically reach for that when I want more of a true foundation. I do use Bare Minerals highlighter, blush, and bronzer. And I think Bare Bare Minerals is great because they're a more accessible mineral makeup. And mineral makeup is really what I'm an advocate for. I've seen firsthand the effects of conventional makeups on skin. And I don't think makeup has to be the devil. I want us to be able to enjoy makeup, to wear it when we want to. But I've definitely seen in the treatment room how traditional foundations, blushes, bronzers, a lot of cream products or primers being worn on the skin can really clog the follicle and be problematic. Like I can see it in the areas a lot of women wear their highlighters or their blushes or where they contour, or if they're wearing a heavier foundation, even just a couple days a week, it can be problematic. And it it's just a bummer if somebody is like already investing in their skincare, if they think they're buying high quality makeup because they're shopping at Sephora and they may be purchasing foundations with heavier formulas, not formulated for the health of the skin, more just formulated to wear nicely. That really is is the thing and what it comes down to. I know there's a lot of brands that claim to be, you know, beneficial for the skin, but these are brands where they were never concerned with the health of the skin from the beginning. It's not part of their mission statement. It's not part of their formulation and and at the heart of the brand. Brands like Bare Minerals were always formulated to protect the health of the skin. And I really respect that. And I see the difference mineral makeup can make versus conventional makeups. And that's because they've always been formulated to be non-comedogenic and more healing and protective for the skin. So that's just what I have seen firsthand. So I would recommend if you are a makeup lover and you struggle with skin issues, I mean, this isn't everyone, like a lot of people can be fine wearing traditional foundations, but I really love and suggest and advocate for mineral makeup. I think you will have more success with your skin that way. And it's tricky because makeup brands will put one ingredient on the label or really market it because of that one ingredient. And again, it's about the formulator and is the product made to be skin safe and acne safe, or was it just, you know, a makeup brand that is trying to capitalize on the trend of skincare. So they really market one ingredient that may have some benefits, but the overall formula 
does not uh, speak to being acne safe or skin safe. I've seen this a lot. I've talked about this with Michelle Phelan, how, you know, certain foundations might have an ingredient like salicylic acid, like slapped on the label or what else? Clay. I've seen clay marketed in foundations, but then you look at the overall formula and it's got all this congestive stuff and the brand was never, like they never set out to be skin safe or acne safe. So we just have to be wise consumers. And there are so many mineral makeups that I love. And there are so many mineral makeups that I love. I like Bare Minerals, Jane Iredale, Oxygenetics. There are so many, there, there are really so many great options. So I would encourage looking more into mineral makeup. All right, guys, I'm going to cap the episode here. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you got something out of this episode. If you don't mind taking 30 seconds to leave me a little review on Apple Podcasts, it really allows me to keep recording this episodes and it allows me to grow the community and the audience. So Really, really appreciate those of you who have done that. And it just means so much to me. Thank you guys for listening. And I will talk to you next week.